2: All right, that music you just heard was Divine Sweater. This is the Celtics Lab podcast, and we're going to hop right into things because we have a very special guest this week. I'm your host today, Kevin Tepes as I am, by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. Alex suggested please join me in welcoming into the Celtics Lab a man who needs no introduction, Mr. Cedric Maxwell. Cedric, how are you?
3: I am doing fine, gentlemen. Just the, the state of the Celtics is, you know, I think what we're going to talk about. So I, I'm I'm loving life right now. Any info you can pick out of my brain, i would be glad to give it to you.
2: Well, there's barely any info in my brain, so I'm glad you came on the pod. Uh, and you you hit the nail on the head. There's a lot happening with the Celtics. So we're just going to dive in. Uh, we brought you on to talk about the changes to Boston's sideline and the front office. Mm-hmm. And I think for younger Celtics fans, these changes feel abrupt. But the idea of a short shelf life for a coach is kind of an old one. And I'm going to read you a quote from Larry Bird, I believe you know him. Uh this is him back in 2016 talking about coaching and kind of his philosophy. He said, "I've been around the history of the game for a lot of years. My experience has been good coaches leave after 3 years. I played for Bill Fitch and I've seen it happen firsthand. I've talked to Red Auerbach on the subject a lot. We had Casey Jones for 5 years. Nicest man I ever met and they let him go and we were having success." So, Cedric, my first question is, do you think uh Larry Bird's sentiments that I just read were on display a few weeks ago when the Celtics made a change, or do you think this is something unique?
3: No, I I think he's right on. I think there's a a certain shelf life. Everybody's not going to be like Greg Popovich, uh, you know, being around for so many years. And, uh, you know, you look at the great coaches in this this league, and the thing that happens is that, just like you guys being teachers, your students hear you so much. After a while, they tune you out, and they're Mm -hmm. into something else. That's the same way with players. Players get so much information and Brad Stevens, I thought did a great job of um, being a facilitator and helping this team out. But there came a time when I think that Brad felt like it was enough and the organization felt like it was time for them to do something else. So that is uh, that was their choice.
2: Yeah, and I, we're going to kind of talk into the optics of the, the coaching search more specifically, but I'm curious, in your playing career, and you have a, a coaching career as well with the United States Basketball League, could you get a sense either being a member of a team or playing against an opposing team when the coach-player connection was kind of reaching its end, or does that not present itself till after the season? Well,
3: no, it, it happens. Uh, you know, my first... I want to say my first three years, uh, three years in the league, I think we, my first two years in the league, I had uh, four or five coaches, starting out with the legendary Tom Heinsohn was my first coach, mm-hmm. and uh, went about maybe 18 games before they let him go, then it was Sat Sanders, then it was um, uh, Dave Cowens, then it was Bill Fitch, and then it was Casey Jeff- so in eight years, uh, where well, I had about five or six coaches with the Celtics, and and those last four or five years, you think about it, the subjects were successful, won the championship in 81 and then turned around a couple years later and Bill Fitch was gone. And then Casey came in and in 84 and won again. So, yeah, Larry Bird has it right when it comes to you are essentially hired to be fired. And almost every good coach in any situation has to understand that. You know, you think about Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers won the championship with this team in, in 08 And uh, Mm -hmm. eventually everything kind of wore down and Doc Rivers moved on. So every coach that you look at, uh, for the most part, is going to have a shelf life and it's going to be relatively short.
2: Justin and Alex, just to keep you in the loop, did you I mean, I think this all caught us by surprise. Do you think that we need to change our frame and kind of take on that that viewpoint when we kind of think about coaches in the league?
4: Yeah, I you know, I think, Cedric, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that uh, and your, your personal experience with such a wide variety of head coaches. I, I think that um, it's definitely the case that, I mean, if you look at the profession, what we're talking like, six, seven, eight coaches go out the door every year, it seems like at this rate. And aside from a very select few of like basically Eric Spolstra, Rick Carlisle and Greg Popovich, um, you know, hardly anybody makes it longer than around five to six years at most. And that's even the most successful coaches. I mean, again, to your point, Cedric, Doc Rivers is objectively a successful NBA head coach and has done a great job. Ty Lue, same deal. And yet both of those guys are on uh, different teams than they won titles on and Mm -hmm. likely will not. I'm, I mean, maybe I'm just speculating here, but I, I would bet that they would both wind up at some other place if they continue on after uh, you know, the next couple of years. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. So I think you're definitely onto something about kind of the state of the league being that coaches come in and out with much greater frequency than uh, people kind of are willing to really acknowledge. And I think the, the truth is that you know, this this Celtics run that started with Brad Stevens, uh, I mean, he, it's going on, what, eight years now of Brad Stevens uh, involved in the Celtics organization. And eight years is a really long time for even the best NBA head coaches. I don't think, I mean, Doc Rivers didn't make it eight years as Boston's head coach. And he won a title and by all accounts was more successful than Brad Stevens as a head coach. So I definitely think that it makes sense that Brad would want to take a step away and that the Celtics would kind of be in a position to do that uh, heading into this, this off season. but it's still really interesting. And I think kind of moving into our next section about who those potential replacements are, we're going to have a lot of thoughts on that. So I don't know. Yeah.
0: I kind of feel like, Brad was looking increasingly tired from the bubble. It feels almost like he was coaching longer in the bubble than he was before the bubble, even though that's clearly not the case. There is something to be said too, about the stage of a rebuild a team is in and whether or not the same coach is going to reach the players in the same kind of way that they need to be reached over time. So I, I think that, there were some rumbles in the press and among fans that maybe uh, Brad should have taken the job in Indiana. And I think some of that was maybe kind of noticing that he seemed very tired and seemed a little bit disconnected from, from, the, from the players. I'm not entirely sure he was ever really in the running for the Indiana job, but I think if you look, the writing was definitely on the wall.
3: You know, it's real crazy. Yeah. We, we talk about it in that way about Brad and what he's done, and I think it is it's one of those things where we all can agree pretty much agree that brad Stevens was his his persona and his personality was such a likable personality that nobody wanted to say anything bad about it. It was yeah. like like you know you you you're not looking to chew out a guy who never really stomps his stomps his feet never doesn't get. Very seldom you see him getting mad. He's not controversial. Uh, and, he, and he was a winning basketball coach. So I think that uh, the general consensus for, for most of us has been that, you know, Brad was he's – he's been really good. So for Danny Ainge to step away and Brad to move on and Brad to take his spot, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll jump forward a little bit and say this. With Brad being the uh, head of basketball operations now, Somebody asked me before, do you think Brad is the, the guy? Do you think he's tough enough to do it? I said, Brad Stevens, probably better than anybody else, should take this job because he knows the weaknesses and the strengths of this team better than anybody because he's seen them every single day. He yeah. knows it more than Danny Ainge. And if you're a coach of this team, you can say, well, I don't have this and I don't have this and I don't have this, but we're pretty good here. So with him in the position now to do this, I, I really think that this is going to, I hope, hopefully this is going to be flawless.
2: Hey, you're talking to a bunch of Celtics fans. We agree. So Boston didn't do a search in replacing Ainge. They, they had their ducks in a row. And there was some criticism that that wasn't necessarily a fair, equitable practice. And you recently, Cedric, spoke about the need to hire a non-white and perhaps non-male coach and a conversation you had with The Athletic a few days ago. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have a two-parter. First, I'm wondering if you can expand on some of your thoughts and if they've changed over the course of the week, uh, but also Alex uh, is gonna read you a tweet that Jalen Brown sent out mm-hmm. 15 minutes ago mm-hmm. about this topic. And I'm wondering if you can respond. Sorry to put you on the spot, I'm Alex. Wrong.
4: Absolutely, yeah. So Jalen Brown, uh, one of the most important players for the Celtics present, future, and just kind of general everything, Uh, just tweeted out analytics, seven NBA teams remaining of the seven NBA teams remaining four are led by African-American head coaches. So Jalen has, I think with that tweet, pretty unequivocally uh, thrown his support behind the movement to hire uh, an African-American, a black and brown head coach. And uh, I I think that that aligns pretty nicely with something that uh, you just said. So I guess I'm wondering if you could expand on that uh given cams prompt
3: black or brown what is that uh, trying, <laughs> That's that not be. a white guy <laughs> yeah. i mean a, well what we'd say normally just uh um, a coach of color uh mm-hmm. i think that that is going to happen and and possibly because i think the Celtics, their hands are tied uh you talked about them uh having a gm and brad moving in that position and yeah as as an owner of a team i think that you have a you have an opportunity to go out and hire who you want to but in today's world i think that if you don't give players or people of color an opportunity to at least interview for a spot mm-hmm. then people really look at you kind of sideways and i've said that several times with this organization is that they need more people in the front office, more people of color, and they just don't have them. And from their ownership base, I think there are a couple of guys who are in the ownership base of color. But I don't think anybody in the structure of basketball operations or any of those other areas has been of color. So that's why I think that it's, it's going to be imperative that uh this the next coach is i just think i just believe that the next coach is going to be of color and what does he have to do one i think he has to be a former player i would like for him to be a former player to relate to the younger guys you have now check one chauncey billups number two a guy who's won in this league check two chauncey billups Or the thing that I look at and and when I'm I'm just keep going on with this whole Chauncey and it could be somebody else, but I like Chauncey because Chauncey went from the bottom, from the top to the outhouse and then to the top again. So he's seen the full spectrum of the NBA. Remember he was drafted with the third pick in the draft by the Celtics. Rick Pitino didn't like him, sent him uh, to Toronto. And then Chauncey essentially bounced around the league for for at least five or six teams before he ended up with um, Detroit and became a, a champion and the finals MVP. So I think he knows the game. He knows players. I think the opportunity is going to be there for the connection. And I'm not saying that a, a, a white coach couldn't connect, but I just mm-hmm. think in this environment, with Black Lives Matter and all the things going on around, I think it's going to be something. The pressure is going to be on the Celtics to hire uh, uh, a coach of color. And it could be a female. It could be a female. It could be a Carol. It could be somebody a female. But I just believe this person is going to be of color.
2: Cedric, have you seen the uh, billboard that someone put up? Over I did. The mess I,
3: I, I, saw, I saw something on TV today with her name in it. And um, it would be interesting. Uh, you know, if, if if she got the job, I mean, the, here's the thing about the Celtics it, that people don't know: the Celtics have always broken these these barriers, mm-hmm. for, for many years, the Celtics had the first first black player, Chuck And Doolin. uh The Celtics also had the first black head coach in Bill Russell. The Celtics started the first their starting five were five people of color that started in the game that had never been done before. So if it was a black woman, man, you're talking about breaking the ceiling and breaking the bank, then how many check marks are you? I mean, because even if you hired, even if you hired Chauncey who I I absolutely love and you hired her, can you imagine the publicity that goes along with that? Now Mm -hmm. it's going to be, and and I don't think it's going to be, and it would be somewhat, it's going to be negative but then someone's going to be uh, completely more on the positive side in the Mm -hmm. fact that there is a black, there is a, as a woman, first of all, there's a woman coaching a professional team. That would be the big thing. But then a a woman of color uh, coaching a professional males team. I think that that would be just unheard of.
4: Cedric, I had a quick follow-up to that. Um, So, Chauncey Phillips is a name that you mentioned a couple of times just now, and it seems like he checks a lot of your boxes. Um, that being said, I've also seen a lot of smoke around Chauncey Phillips being connected to the Portland Trailblazers mm-hmm. head coach opening. And I'm wondering if, uh, if, if Chauncey ends up in Portland or on another team, because he's one of the hottest candidates on the markets right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, who would be your Who would be another name that you think the Celtics should look at that might check some of those boxes?
3: Here, here's the name. Let's get the wild card name that I absolutely love. But you, would, I'm not sure if the camera would explode right now. <laughs> but mine would be Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson oh. has done an unbelievable job of understanding the NBA. Mm-hmm. He understands young men. Look what he did with Golden State to put that team together and have them on the verge of winning the championship. Whatever happened there with him in the front office, obviously that went sour. But he created an environment for a team to win a championship there. So, And he understands players. And if you listen to him, his intellect as a basketball coach is really high. Uh, the fact that he has not gotten another opportunity since Golden State and being as, as successful as, as he has been, that really bothers me. So he's the other guy that um, that people aren't talking about but I would absolutely love if that was the situation.
2: So I have a, we were going to ask questions more specific to the X's and O's, but I just have a one-off that maybe you have an answer to. If you had to rate it between a hundred, hundred meaning it's definitely going to happen. Zero. It's not going to happen at all. If you were a betting man, is Rajan Rondo a coach in the league at some point down mm-hmm. the line?
3: That is good. Uh, intellect. Unbelievable. Understands the game fully, but you know Rondo can be his worst own enemy because mm-hmm. he's the smartest person. Have you seen that it was a movie? Somebody said you're the smartest dumb person I know, or <laughs> however that is. That's that's Rondo, and and he is my guy. He is my buddy, but there's he can. There are times he can be so asinine. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna step out. I'm gonna go with fifty percent. I'm gonna go with fifty. I, I just think it's just it, it's such a hot potato. I remember when he left and went to um, he 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 went to Dallas, mm-hmm. and you saw what happened there, which is like almost an instant meltdown with uh, him and Rick Carlisle. And he's bounced around the teams, but understanding the game, uh, putting together a game plan. I think he would be, he'd be one of those guys. And, and, and the other guy I would say probably over him would be if he wanted it, it's going to be Chris Paul, Chris, oh, Paul, is Chris Paul, Chris Paul would definitely, I say a hundred percent Rondo, I'm gonna go at 50%. Not only because of the way he pisses people off.
2: I mean, I'll do you one better. I think Chris Paul is going to be the commissioner one day mm. and but in between, maybe he'll be a coach, and I can see him wearing those ugly Magic Johnson ties from the late '80s, early '90s. <laughs> I'd love to see that on Chris, Chris Paul.
3: Paul. Chris Paul is that—that would—that could be one of those things where he could—he—he's he, gonna go—he's gonna go essentially wherever he wants to go, and if he wants to go into coaching, he'll do that. If he wants to be a GM for a team, they'll have him in in that position, and and you know eventually if. You know, he was say he wanted to be a commissioner of this league. I would not be surprised at all.
2: I mean, he does such great work with the PA, and he's clearly so invested in the health, uh, near term and short term of the league. So I hope you're right about that. Quite frankly, uh, let's let's get again nitty gritty with what the Celtics need in a coach. And mm-hmm. apologies if uh, my internet is a little unstable. But we've we talked about kind of the optics of and the power of bringing in a coach who better represents the players, who better represents the league. And even if these these people might have baggage, which can be really difficult to navigate, perhaps the barriers that they're breaking is really important. Uh, but when you're looking at this team, apropos of a coach's background or social location, what attributes or qualities are would you prioritize? Or do you think the team is prioritizing uh, for this group of Celtics? Okay,
3: which one do you want? You want me or what the team is prioritizing? Which one would you not- want?
2: Let's go with uh, the team. I, okay. And if the, we have the, time, the let's go team, with you.
3: The team needs – the team, I think, wants, uh, you know, a, a a young player who is dynamic, who can push them along. Now, let me give you mine. My yes. interpretation is this team needs to be mean, and they need to have some grittiness about them. Amen. Um, Jalen Brown, love Jalen, love – and and I love Tatum. Between the two guys, and I'll let you do your mental rolodex real quick. Between these two guys, they played probably about six hundred and fifty games. Tell me the time that you saw either one of these guys get pissed off at another player on another team. Like twice. That's almost that's almost impossible. You're two lead dogs. You're two lead dogs. Don't. And I'm not saying they need to fight, but what I want, mm-hmm. I want to do. I just want them to protect themselves. And yeah. and if you have a – if you have a – your lead dog, your best player, has a little meanness, a little grit to him, it flows downhill to the rest of the players. And right now, everybody looks for Uncle Marcus to come protect them. That yeah. can't be – that cannot be the case with Marcus Smart being the policeman on every play. And that's why your two main guys have to have some grit. Somebody told me before – Jason Tatum, you know, he's just not that kind of guy because maybe it's the way where he was, uh, where he was raised. I said he was raised in St. Louis. I said (laughs) it wasn't like he was in the Hamptons or nothing. So, I mean, for me, I I just want him to, and and I'll give you an example. Uh, He was going up against Kevin Durant in the the series with um, Brooklyn. Mm
2: -hmm. And
3: Kevin Durant came down and gave him a little high elbow and hit hit him in the mouth and hit him in the ribs. And the play continued on Kevin Durant drives and Jalen just taps him on the hand. Instead of going to Kevin Durant, he goes to the official. Uh That to me bothered me that that really bothered me because at that point he had to go to the source. And if a guy in this league bullies you enough, then and you don't stand up. Then what they do is they continue to bully you. the, The respect factor. So, For me, that's what I'm talking about when I have Brown or Tatum uh, being my main two guys, my, my best players. And I love them to death, my best players. But I want some grit and I want some aggression.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation,
3: yeah, you get it every time.
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
3: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There's not a player in this league who is one of the top tier players that you can name me that has not been in a confrontation mm-hmm. with another player on another team. I mean, you just name them. I mean, you think about Luka Doncic, have not been in this league this long. Guy turned around, somebody did something to him. He turns around, hits the guy, and hits him with a forearm, right? A uh, 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 backhand that fits right in the balls. I mean, right. I'm not <laughs> you know, saying that that needs to happen every time, but that's a great player. Uh, you, you can go at every player in this league on the opposing team, and they've had – even a even guy like Steph Curry. Steph Curry, Stephon Curry, Steph Curry. Yeah, the, he's got the some The way he is, he's had – mix up with different players and you know what it does it it radiates to the rest of your team and uh that that's what i'm looking for when i talk about this team
2: so i have a follow-up actually that one of the questions i was going to ask is that you're known for kind of bringing some toughness and playing in one of the tougher eras of the nba but you were also known for loving the game for bringing fun bringing smiles a a Mm -hmm. little silliness to the game Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know better than I, I kind of get the sense that players aren't always having fun out there. Do you think that that's a fair read or do you think that that's maybe overblown?
3: Yeah, I think that's overblown. I think guys are having fun and and sometimes it's almost to the detriment that they, they do that. Kimba uh, Walker, <laughs> everybody complains because he's smiling all the time. Uh, people yeah. complain about it, uh, but you know, if you're making and, and I, I hate to talk about salaries, but if you're, you're paying me $20, $30 million a year, why isn't there a permanent smile on my face? What am, I, what am I pissed off about? I mean, I'm not looking for my next meal. I'm not looking, you know. This is, this, right now, it's generational wealth that um, these right. teams right now are paying to some of these players. So I, I, I think that, you know, that, that they're happy, and you're, you're more happy, though, when you win. Uh, except maybe Kyrie Irving. But with, you know, that might be another story for another time because I've never been more upset with one player from an opposing team than I was when Kyrie Irving smushed the leprechaun's face. I, I just I, I just couldn't believe it. I'm, I'm sitting there watching that. He won the game. He played well. But it was like, hey, guys, look at me. Let me go out here and step on this leprechaun like I'm wiping poop off my shoes. And there was no reason to do that. And I talked to Kevin Garnett about that, the same issue, and he was he was as upset as I was because he didn't see any of our players respond in kind to yeah. what Kyrie Irving had done, and it's not like they didn't know because I'm sure that people told them what happened, and uh, even even more so when I think Kevin Garnett said he said after the game and. Uh, you know that Kyrie and all said they were all dapping him up after they beat him and all these he said, man, you don't you don't do that. He said you 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 didn't have one player <laughs> who stepped to him and said, dude, that ain't right. That that's something you don't do in our gym. You know, and it, it is not about the leprechaun. It's not about this, it's it's just a, just a symbol of what you did yeah. of just being disrespectful to the opposition. There was there was no reason for it. And but there was no reason at all. Let me make sure I address this. There was no reason at all for that for the gentleman to throw the water bottle. You know, two That's wrongs true. don't make it right. And uh, neither and they did not connect. The guy didn't see Kyrie Irving smash the leprechaun's face and then throw the bottle. It was just his ignorance of you know of, of just being in that building created an environment which was not not conducive and not good. And I'm so happy that he he, he was arrested.
0: Truly. I feel like there's, there's a couple things going on there that are definitely worth talking about. Um, there has been a big culture shift in how players relate to each other in the league. I think the AAU circuit uh, becoming so entrenched uh, has changed the way players move around the league, how they relate to each other, how much more collegial they are than they used to be. I do remember uh, when I was younger watching NBA games, like if you fell down and you were surrounded by a scrum of the opposing players, you were getting yourself up off the ground. No one mm-hmm. was helping you up off the ground.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that
0: that is a different thing. Now we can debate whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but in terms of staying competitive, now this is only on the court. You know, this doesn't have to go off the court. You can be, you know, friendly and collegial once the game is over, whatever. But when you're on the court, there, there was this much more competitive edge that, that does seem to be lacking now. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think it's tied to the way that players relate to each other now, the way they move around the league now. Go ahead.
3: I, 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 that's that's really interesting you say that because Draymond Green, he probably played in the AAU. Is he yeah. is he competitive in fair, that way?
0: Fair, yes. Is, is,
3: Westbrook, is Westbrook competitive in that way where he's going to go at you? is is Durant right now he was in the AAU circuit did he I think it depends on the player uh yeah mm-hmm. it has gotten a lot friendly because guys have each other's phone numbers and before the games they go and they go to the uh, chaplet uh and then they go in there and they pray together before the game I didn't want to pray with no guy before the game <laughs> I was praying that I didn't elbow him and then you know just, I, and I just had that, that mindset. I didn't want friends. I didn't want friends on the, on the opposing team. And I think that uh, somebody did make that point saying maybe Brown and Tatum, maybe they just want to be liked by these guys. Well, mm-hmm. well, you can be liked, but there's also a thing called respect. And when you do certain things to me or do something to your team in that way, that's disrespectful. So somebody has to challenge that point. And that's something I didn't see a lot with this team. Maybe one or two players. I mean, other than Marcus, I mean, I'm not sure who else you maybe Tristan Thompson got into a little scrum or something, but a couple times. He's it, Canadian, it, he's too nice. You, yeah, but you you <laughs> think about it at the end, the only person who said something to uh, Durant was uh Evan. And yeah. he's yo, he's from France. <laughs> so, oh, oh, so come on, are, are you serious? that he was the only person on this team that said something that, uh, you know, got under the ranch skin. So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't particularly, I, I understand what you're saying. The AAU circuit, it has affected guys in certain ways, but then you look at other individuals who played in the AAU and I think they don't show that same aggression, uh, you know, that you talked about before you look at, look at uh, the Joker up in um not just, messing around. He just, he just turned around, just slapped somebody. <laughs> so, so Damian Lillard, mean as a, mean as a snake. I, I I I love him. He has that edge. He has that attitude. Both the Morris brothers, Morris twins, one that played yeah. with the Celtics before. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, I love those dudes. And I saw their father one day when when they we they had the one playing with the Celtics. And I told his told his dad, I said, let me tell you something. I love your boys, but I wouldn't trust them as far as I could damn throw them. <laughs> I think they're snakes. But to me, I love snakes that play in the game. That to me, the, the aggression of a game to me is, is, is about winning. And you have to do that if you're going to win.
2: Well, Cedric, I'll tell you, Alex and I are playing uh, some pickup hoops on Thursday. And I'll report back who had more gravel in their gut. But we will we will make sure that we play a physical style of game. You got a few more minutes. Can we ask you about yeah, some of the other stuff? Yeah, you, I'm,
3: I'm good. Go right ahead. You know, make sure that, you know, just buy him a beer afterwards or whatever you do, you know, shake hands afterwards. But while you're playing, I mean, you can think of the most competitive. I always this is I wanted to do a book on this one day. you know, how you how people climb that hill and who you had to be. A lot mm-hmm. of times it's your brother or your sister that you had <laughs> to play, that you had to beat. It. And if you had a bigger brother, your bigger brother always had you crying until one day, you know, you beat him. And and, and the world was just like, and you love this dude. This is right. for your family. So I, I can't hear this stuff about, you know, no, oh, I'm going to be nice to him. that. No, no, we're going to be competitive. That's what basketball is. Like, you know what? I want to get rid of all these, uh, um, you know, I participated trophies that that are out right now. <laughs> Hey, you know, here's a little Billy. He participated. No, everybody didn't get a damn trophy. You don't know. The, the lead dogs get trophies, and that's going to make it more competitive. That's how the world is. That's how the world, the real world is.
2: I'll tell you what. I have a twin sister who ran D1 track, and she's like my Cheryl Miller. She keeps me humble. Uh, Cedric, let me ask you about Kemba. If, if you had to guess, is he in a Celtic uniform? After the trade deadline next year, should he be? And you're someone who kind of suffered through some painful knee injuries. Can you offer us any insight into how he's been playing for the past, I don't know, 18 months or so?
3: You think of Kemba, he has, he came in with a huge splash, followed Kyrie Irving, came Mm -hmm. in as well-liked as any player that's ever been here. Um, But the knee has bothered him. And there, you know, if you can't play, Second night or back to backs, or you miss playoff games because of your knee, then obviously there's a problem. Doc Rivers, the ex-coach of the Celtics, said your best ability is availability. Mm-hmm. And when you're not available to play, and you could add in Rob Williams is one of those guys too. That has been so often heard everybody, oh, Rob Williams, Rob Williams is gonna break your field goal. I, I have a field goal percentage record. Let me let me buck up a little bit, which well, has <laughs> been with the Celtics since I don't know, 1979, 1980, whatever it is. Um, and every year, you know, it's always like somebody's gonna break it. And one time it was Perk, and now it was Rob Williams. Well, you can't do it if you only play 30 games. And, and Rob Williams to someplace maybe you know half the season so you you have to play and, and that's another another thing but in Kimber's case, because of the knee injury, I think that uh, right now he could be a guy that would be on the outs with Celtics I, I would I would love to keep him but the, the money situation uh not being able to play, uh, every day I think is, and this is a guy who for his first eight or nine years was a workhorse, only missed about four or five games. So I, I think that's one of the, and your knees aren't necessarily going to get better. You know, once you become older in this league, when you start to have knee problems later on, they continue to be knee problems.
2: So uh, uh, Cedric, I'm going to, I got one more and then uh, we'll transition to one last thing. And I'm going to bring Alex and Justin in on this one do you think is the key decision? I mean, besides the whole coach, general manager thing, what's the key decision the Celtics need to make this offseason?
3: Mm, the, the key decision to me is what you're going to do and who you're going to bring in. And I love, and you have to look at what you have to give up. What are your best commodities? Your best commodity right now is, is Tatum. You could get more more bang, but you're not going to sell. You're you're not going to get rid of him. We we pretty much yeah. agree with that. Then the next person up is going to be Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is your next best commodity, and he's the guy. If I was looking, if I was going to shop around, that would probably be the guy. I would hate that he would leave, but Tatum and Brown together, um, they're they're like carbon copies. I don't know if they necessarily for me. I and and watching them. If they make the other guy better. Right. Uh, You know, that's why I think that this team to me, give you a scenario that I like. If I am the Celtics, I am going to Minnesota and I want to get Carl Anthony towns. And I say, I want Carl Anthony towns because he checks some boxes for you. He's a big time scorer. He plays in the paint. He can, he shoots a high percentage from the field, shoots free throws. And he was one of the last people I could think that had a fight with Joel M B. So he checks <laughs> that other box of being mean. He has not won in this league. And a change of location would probably be a great thing for him to come into a place like Boston and, and you know, if you had him with Tatum, I think it would be I think it would be a real good matchup because their games are different. Carl and Anthony Towns game would help him because Carl Anthony Towns can be a big-time rebounder and a shot blocker. So that's why I think that you have to look at that. The other one I heard was Dame Lillard. Uh, You know, they all said, okay, if you gave Kimba, you gave Rob Williams, you gave up uh, Lankford, you gave up the draft picks, can you go out and get a 31-year-old Dame Lillard? And, man, I would – I would jump at it because I just love. I just think he is so dynamic, and he has that that gene that we keep talking about. He has that mean gene. If uh, he knocks you down, he ain't reaching his hand out to help you up. <laughs> and, and I think that's what we were just talking about. It's like, dude, and I, I think I screamed it on on air one time. Naismith was uh, was I think was playing against Miami and Jimmy Butler. He he fouled Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler's going to go to the free throw line and he reaches out to, to help him up. I'm like, no, don't pick him <laughs> up This is why got other teammates that to me that that to me is like that's a kangaroo court that you don't have anymore uh, you know during my time you would do that and man you go to that locker room boy and people would chew you up especially as a young player for helping the opposition up. I mean essentially what you're doing why don't you just open your pocket up? Say, dude, I got about a hundred dollars in my pocket. Why don't you just go ahead? I got a hundred here, and go in the other pocket while you're at it. Take the rest of the money out. So that's why I don't believe in you know helping the opposition up.
2: All right, Alex, Justin, can you top Carl uh, Anthony Towns to Boston or Dame Lillard to Boston?
0: I don't think Alex there's going to be... Alex shaking his head now. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't... See, Lillard, I love the idea of. Lillard, I think, makes tons of sense in the present, but you've got to get it right. You know, if you can't put the team around them that you need, you know, he's not getting any younger, and he's probably going to age well. He's, he's definitely got all the qualities that, that Max noted. I think he would be impossible to guard with Jason Tatum on the court. But I don't think that, you know, barring literally handing... Portland, whatever they wanted off of Boston's movable assets, I don't. I don't even know if that would be the best offer that they would get if he was available. So you know, you have to beat the other offers in the league. I think that the plan, if if uh, it can be called as such, is. To get off of Kemba, if you can, uh, for the reasons that that Max was noting, the money is just too much, uh, considering, you know, he's not like a bad player, he's a good player, Uh, he's putting up like at least 19 points a game on a team with two really high-powered all-star scorers, but you still have to deal with all that money eating them into the cap at the same time that Tatum's extension kicks in. And that puts you you know, kind of behind the eight ball with how you're going to make these things move. And I think that the idea is either to let Fournier walk and keep Kemba or keep Kemba and let or get rid of Kemba and try to re-sign Fournier. I don't see how you could possibly do both. And then you still need to do some stuff down the road to make the money work. And some of that could be consolidating contracts. Um, maybe it's Bradley Beal. Maybe we can get him on the roster and make Jason Tatum happy. Whatever, whatever the end result is going to be, I don't think it's going to come into focus just yet. I think this is you know, going to be kind of a disappointment for some Celtics fans who were hoping for some kind of like super Voltron come together and, and mm-hmm. you know, instantly be contending again. But I think there's going to be some more work to do beyond this season before we get to those heights that we're really hoping to see this team at again.
4: Yeah, and to kind of uh, tee off of that, I think if you're talking about long-term building, one of the first and most important moves that the Celtics have to figure out for this offseason, how much is Robert Williams worth to them? And how much are you going to offer him in extension talks? Can you find a number that pleases the Celtics that maybe is not too expensive uh, in taking into account the fact that, you know, as Cedric mentioned, Brock has had trouble staying on the court. Uh, can, you, can you do that and can that number not be something that Rob uh, looks at and says, I'll take my chances in free no, agents? If,
3: if you can't stay on the court right now at, in, in years 24, 23, 24, what's your chances of staying on later on? Charles mm-hmm. Barkley made a great point, and I don't normally follow him, but he said, man, from 21 to 30, you were invincible. You're out there all the time. Nothing hurts you. But in this case, with Rob Williams, we just seen injury after injury after injury. I mean, I, I happen to love Charles Barkley with the line that he gave Anthony Davis though the nickname "Street Clothes." <laughs> I, I, I think that is like one of the coolest lines. It's a slap at him, and but it's he's a great player. But if you're not available, then what's 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 the deal?
2: Well, as someone who is about about the turn 29, I'm glad that you included me in that invincibility age bracket, and uh, a belated happy birthday to Alex. Uh, Cedric, you have given the city of Boston two finals, a finals MVP, and years and years of radio excellence. So first of all, I want to say thanks. I want to say thanks for coming on the pod, and then I want to put you on the spot one last time. Uh, your your showrunner, Sean Grandy, can you give us a a story about Sean? that no one's ever heard before, put him on the spot, and we'll close up shop with that.
3: Let me say how I, I would say, from a broadcasting standpoint, Sean has been brilliant, and I've enjoyed being around him. From a standpoint of being uh, uh, cheap, I mean, <laughs> dudes, I, I, and it was I'm. It had to be 14, 15 years ago. There was a story, and I see Sean wear these shoes, and he he had loafers on. And I said, man, you got to get some grown man shoes with some laces in it. So we went down to Atlanta uh, to this store, famous store called Friedman's Shoe Store. First store, first pair of shoes he picks, I said, I'm going to buy you a pair. First pair he picks up loafers. I said, put it back. <laughs> put it back. So he gets this pair of black shoes with laces in them. Do you know this dude has still, he still wears that pair of shoes to every game? There was a hole in the bottom of the shoe. He's gotten the shoes resold about about the at least two or three times, according to his wife. So um <laughs> yeah, if if you're talking about squeezing a dollar bill, Sean Grandy uh, chokes a dollar bill. I mean, he, if he Sean Grandy pulls out a five-dollar bill, it, it you know, whatever president is up there, he just puts on shades because he hasn't been out in that sunlight in a long time coming <laughs> out of his wallet. So I I I That would be the thing i say about Sean Grandy to me, which is really funny.
2: Well, Hobo Shoe Grandy, you got to come on the podcast and defend yourself. Cedric, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to have you on the pod. We can't thank you enough. And uh, hopefully we can find the time to do this again sometime soon.
3: Gentlemen, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. I hope we crossed the, I hope we touched on all the barriers. I tried to be as uh, at least, uh, you know, not trying to be too controversial but at least try to give you the information that i feel is relevant to this team being being successful uh the as you said the black or brown coach i didn't understand that part but i'll, I'll get around <laughs> to that eventually whatever that whatever that is I i think the next time you should say i'll just say uh person of color i think that would i think that would define it exactly the way you'd want it to go because i was a little confused with the black and brown thing, but. Uh,
4: You did totally totally, fine, Cedric.
3: It it was wonderful being (laughs) on with both of you. All three of you. Excuse me.
4: Thanks very much, Cedric. We'll see you again soon,
3: I hope. It would be cool to have you, man.
4: All right.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place.